The NBA season is here, and we'll be looking at where it's angling in its next media rights deal. Plus, later in the episode, we'll hear from the league's deputy commissioner, Mark Tatum. It's Tuesday, October 24th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The NBA wants something along the lines of the NFL's deal with Amazon around Thursday night football. Joining me now to discuss is senior writer Mike McCarthy. Welcome, Mike. Glad to be here. Great to have you. So you had the exclusive for us uh, on the NBA's desires around a streaming package. What can you tell us here? Well, the NBA is uh, joining the 21st century. Uh, They know that streaming is one of the futures of sports, and they've taken a good hard look at what Amazon has done on streaming with Thursday Night Football. I mean, as you saw this uh, year, Amazon is delivering linear TV-like audiences, 13 million a game. Uh, The NBA also likes the fact, Owen, that streaming delivers a younger audience. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why the NBA and Amazon are quite interested in each other. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And do you know if it would be something like a Thursday night or, you know, some day where they where they have this is our our whatever Amazon, Apple, this is our exclusive streaming day or not necessarily? That's exactly what we're hearing. Uh, a la Thursday night football, uh, Amazon is trying to pick out a day in the calendar and make it that's the day that you go to Amazon and that's the day you associate with uh, NBA basketball. And it's a smart strategy. Um, you know, we, you know, this is a copycat business and you want to get people conditioned to expect the same thing week after week. You don't want it to slide around the schedule. So if Amazon could say pick out Tuesday night and make it that the exclusive day to stream NBA games, you know, within a year that becomes a tradition and traditions uh, are very powerful in sports. We've been mentioning Amazon as, as the, you know, a likely partner here. And it doesn't hurt that they've already established certain audience habits around Thursday night football. People already know they can go to prime video for certain sports things, but they're not obviously the only people who might be interested here. Well, Jeff Bezos is going to have company. First of all, uh, ESPN, and TNT are on an exclusive negotiating window right now. So there's a chance. I don't think it's a big chance, but there's a chance that they could retain their rights and shut everybody else out. But once that window opens up, I look for Apple to also go after this. Apple has had a huge success with Lionel Messi and MLS. Apple, as we know, likes to own things. The NBA is a global league. It's young. Uh, The fans are tech savvy. It's exactly the kind of property that Apple would like to get involved with. And any other names we should be watching out for, or is this going to be a battle of the titans? Well, cue the John Tesh uh, round ball rock uh, theme, because NBC Sports, which had uh, the NBA from 1990 to 2002, is very interested in a reunion. Uh, And I have to say that uh, NBA, within the NBA, there's a lot of people who have very nostalgic feelings about NBC. So if there's a big competitor on the TV side, I think it's NBC. As far as that exclusive negotiating window goes, um, anything we can say there in terms of like how long, how long does that last and anything that we expect to come out of that? It's going to be spring 2024. We know in fact that negotiations have already started because Jimmy Pitaro, chairman of ESPN said so. So they got a couple of months to try to seal the deal. And if not, it's Katie by the door. Everybody's going to jump in the pool. Mike McCarthy. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. 
My pleasure, Owen. The English Premier League is considering a salary cap with Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish publicly floating the idea. This would be a dramatic shift for a league that has grown huge by allowing teams to spend whatever they want as long as they stay within certain limits related to how much debt they carry. The EPL is already looking at introducing a cap based on team revenue, but that likely wouldn't do much to change the status quo of a league where the top teams spend around nine times what the bottom teams do, because clubs like Manchester City and Manchester United make a whole lot more than Luton Town and Sheffield United. The current idea we're seeing floated around a cap would also not change things much in the short term. The concept would be something like team spending would be limited to four times the TV revenue of the lowest club. It doesn't seem like any club would currently be affected by that, but it puts a ceiling on spending as more money from the U.S. and Middle East comes into the league. And the Premier League likely wants to keep any cap nice and high so that it doesn't lose too many superstars to La Liga, League One, Bundesliga, the Saudi Pro League, and MLS. Any changes in the EPL will be with an eye toward maintaining its dominance, not giving it away. The NBA season begins with the LA Lakers taking on the defending champion Denver Nuggets, followed by the Phoenix Suns coming to San Francisco to play the Golden State Warriors. Those teams include three of the last four champions, and it would have been four of four if the Suns had beaten the Bucks in the finals three seasons ago. The other thing that ties those teams together is that they have the four highest paid players in the league. The Warriors' Steph Curry is first in the NBA with a salary of $51.9 million for the season, followed by the Suns' Kevin Durant, the Lakers' LeBron James, and the Nuggets' Nikola Jokic, who each make $47.6 million. And they've been earning it. Those four account for six of the last eight finals MVPs, and if we throw in the seventh highest earners, Giannis Attentacumpo and Kawhi Leonard, who are tied with each other and their teammates Damian Lillard and Paul George at $45.6 million, we account for 11 of the last 12 finals MVPs. To win in the NBA, you need superstars. And if you want superstars, you have to pay up. Up next, I spoke to NBA Deputy Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer Mark Tatum. The NBA has a lot going on right now, including new rules, a new tournament, a massive media rights deal on the horizon, and talk of expansion. Mark discussed what the league is thinking on all those topics and more, and that conversation is coming up right after this. Very excited to be joined now by Mark Tatum, Deputy Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer of the NBA. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Owen. Good to see you. So the NBA season is, you know, it's about to start. Where's your head at? Is your, are you frenetic, nervous, excited, all the above, or just too busy to even care? <laughs> I think it's all the above, Owen. I am really, really excited about this season. I think there are some incredible storylines headed into this season, and we expect the competition to be tremendous from the moment that the season tips off uh, Tuesday here, uh, the Lakers at the Denver Nuggets. So um, let, me, and let me just start with the many talented young players who are poised to take that next step in their remarkable careers. Uh, we've got 13 players who are 25 or younger who've already been selected as all-stars in their career. Um, you've got Victor Wembayama, uh, who uh, in watching him during the preseason has been incredible. He's become must-see TV already. Uh, the offseason featured a ton of player movement. Uh, fans will finally get the chance to see some familiar stars in new uniforms like Bradley Beal in Phoenix and Drew and Porzingis in Boston, Lillard in Milwaukee, Chris in Golden State. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing that I'm really excited about is we've had a different champion in each of the last five seasons. So um, really, really excited about this season. Yeah, yeah. A lot of great on-court storylines going in, like you said. Yeah, Wemby should be fun to watch how he adapts to the NBA. Um, 
So this season you're debuting the mid-season tournament. What's the thought process behind this? Yeah, I think really it's about the fans. It's about the teams. It's about the players. And really ensuring that the NBA season remains a compelling on-court product for our fans. That's a priority for us. And I think the play-in tournament was a, a perfect example of how we continue to think about ways to push our league forward and drive competition to keep our fans engaged throughout the season. Um, um, but the in-season tournament is this concept that's been really rumbling around the league office for about 15 years. And we've had countless conversations with our competition committee, with the teams, with the players directly about the format, the timing, and the incentives. You know, We've learned a lot from our travels internationally and watching some of the European soccer teams and European basketball clubs who have these um, in-season cups, if you will. Uh, you know, Luca was just recently in Madrid with the Mavericks playing Real Madrid, and he shared his experiences playing in the Copa del Rey in Spain and noting the intensity of that tournament. And he, he said, I think fans are going to enjoy this. So it gives us an opportunity to create a new championship tradition that we think will become meaningful to teams, players, partners, and fans. And, uh, and you know, we're doing it within the 82-game footprint where we're taking regular season games and we're giving them even more meaning by having them count towards this in-season tournament and then you have this single game elimination, which is which you don't really have in the NBA right now, which brings a different dynamic and flavor to the season. So we're, we're thrilled for it and excited for it. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be interesting. Do you consider yourself still in the experimentation phase with this? Like, could there be tweaks as soon as next year? Yeah, I, I think we're very open minded on this one. This is the first time that we're doing it. Um, but we're going to be open to uh, continuously improving it. Uh, new ideas, new opportunities that come out of this. Uh, we do think that new traditions take some time to build, uh, but we hope to see a different level of intensity on the court. You know, our, our players love to compete and they like winning. And so to give them another opportunity to win a trophy, uh, I think is going to be something for that, that the fans will be excited about and that our players and teams will get excited about. Yeah. And if I could just drop a note in the suggestion box here, if I was going to make one tweak even before it's even started, it would be to make the reward maybe a draft pick, like maybe between the first and second round, because I would really care which team gets that. Um, you know, I'll still care who wins it, but it'll be, you know, I don't care if like an NBA player gets a little cash bonus. That's nice for them. But uh, but yeah, for a, a team reward like that, that, that I think would spice it up. I'm sure I'm, I'm the only person offering you suggestions on this. Um, so the league instituted some new rules around load management in an attempt to keep stars on the court. What's the reaction been so far from players? The reaction has been has been actually very, very positive. Uh, we recognize that, um, you know, some of this is not only a player issue. Some of this is very team driven. Uh, but what our players understand, what our teams understand is that there is a a, a, a demand from our fans um, to want to see our players play. This is an 82 game league uh, and the player and, and the fans want to see our players out on the court uh, as much as possible. This is not, you know, saying if you're hurt, you got to go out and play injured. Um, not at all. So what we did is put together some guidelines and policies for the teams and the players to follow to ensure that the fans have the opportunity to see uh, their favorite players participating on the court. So overall, it's been a very positive reaction from our players and from our teams. 
And while we're on sort of new rules in the league, uh, there's a new CBA coming into effect. Uh, what were the goals of the league uh, when in crafting that that contract? Yeah, I, I think the goal is to build a partnership with the players that will give our um, teams, every team, a fair opportunity to compete for championships, um, to give players the ability to um, be a partner of ours in growing this business, in growing uh, the ecosystem. Um, and we were able to accomplish a lot of that here in this new CBA. You know, we, we with, with respect to things like the player participation uh, policy, you know, there is a provision in the new CBA um, that players have to participate in 65 games in order to be eligible for some of the postseason awards. Um, so that's really aligning again with that need for us to reinforce this is an 82 game season. It's important for the fans. It's important for the teams to have players out there participating. Um, and that was one example of one of the changes that was put in the CBA. Oh, uh, we're speaking at a time when the NBA is in uh, media rights negotiations. The media landscape itself is that the tectonic plates are shifting uh, in real time here. So uh, can you give us a sense, first of all, what you're looking for in terms of a balance between streaming and linear broadcasting? Absolutely. I, you know, First of all, we have two outstanding uh, partners in Disney, ESPN, and Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, TNT, uh, who pro- provide enormous distribution for our games. Um, it really is too early right now uh, to tell what our next media rights agreement is going to look like, but it's very likely that we'll see a hybrid of television and streaming. Um, you know, Despite the rapid changes in the media landscape, we know that premium live sports like ours have tremendous value. We account for 260 nights of live premium programming each year. And actually, when you include the WNBA, um, that gets you up to about 320 nights. Um, and that really just offers the optimal balance of for, for a partner um, uh, who is looking to distribute content, the optimal balance of quality and quantity. Uh, we consistently bring a large, dependable audience. Um, in the U.S. alone, we account for the most sports telecasts each year, um, about 230 plus that surpass 1 million average viewers. So no one else can deliver that scale, that volume like we do. And our games reach the most coveted audiences, um, winning virtually every night on cable among viewers under 50. So uh, you know, what it looks like specifically uh, remains to be seen, but we know it's going to be this hybrid of traditional television and streaming to serve the maximum number of fans out there that we can. I have to think this must be a media negotiation session, if you want to call it that, unlike any other, just because there are so many moving parts among your negotiating partners. Does that make it harder to find a number when, you know, you've got all these issues like cord cutting is, is dropping the number of cable subscribers every year, every quarter, basically. And, um, and, you know, streaming is on the rise, but, you know, brands are still figuring out how to make that profitable. So it, it just feels like it's so much less straightforward than, than things were, say, 10 years ago. There's no doubt about that. I think the landscape has become much more complex. There's many more players. There's different players uh, who are involved there. Again, we're we're very fortunate to have the uh, current partners that we have in place here in the U.S. Uh, by the way, we've been dealing with this not only here in the U.S., but globally as well. And so dealing with the changes with our um, uh, with with viewing habits internationally, we're seeing the shift to streaming in different places too. 
where we've had to make that adjustment. So I, I think it's just a new landscape that we're dealing with. Um, it is just different. And uh, it's a little bit, as you said, a little bit less straightforward. Um, but at the end of the day, it remains about how do we service our fans? How do we make sure that we're getting our game and our content in the widest possible audience as possible? Um, again, when people don't have uh, access to cable or or satellite um, and they're streaming, we have to make sure our games are available there too. So that's what our focus on is making sure that wherever you are as a fan in the world, that you have access to our games and programming. There's been some reporting that Apple and Amazon are among the interested parties. No surprise there. They are both companies that like to have things to themselves. Is it possible that we'll see streaming ga games exclusively on streaming, you know, following the NFL and to some degree MLB and other leagues? Okay, I, I don't want to speculate. Uh, we have two partners with two years left on the deal. Um, we'll have an exclusive negotiating window with those partners. And so, you know, all the conversations right now are focused on uh, those incumbent existing partners. Um, I would I would tell you that those other uh, streaming companies, there's no doubt that content like the NBA's, the volume, the audience that we bring, um, you know, we see it in other territories. Like we have a prime video deal in Brazil, as an example, and that's been performing very, very well um, for them outside in, in the, of the, side of the U.S. and Brazil. Um, and so they certainly understand the value of premium live sports. Uh, but right now, as I mentioned, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, talking to our incumbent partners about what the future looks like. Sure. Going global to local now, we also have the very much a shifting landscape there. Phoenix may be the best example right now. Drop their cable deal for an over-the-air broadcaster plus a team-focused streaming service. How involved is the NBA when it comes to figuring out these local deals? Yeah, our team works very closely with our teams, whether it is the Phoenix Suns or the Utah Jazz or the L.A. Clippers. And, uh, you know, that business is evolving. There's no doubt about that. And, but the principle is still the same. In the case of the Phoenix Suns, having that combination of uh, over-the-air TV and streaming uh, allows them to reach the broadest possible audience um, you know, that they can in that particular marketplace. And so um, they have increased, and, and Matt Ishby and the team have increased the number of people who will have, have access to Phoenix Suns games in that market. And so um, we think that there is this changing landscape, but the primary goal is to make sure that our fans have the most available access to our games as possible. And does it matter to the league to have any kind of unified model there, whether it's what the Suns are doing or, I mean, some RSNs, obviously most teams still have an RSN. Um, does the league need to see some kind of cohesiveness there or is it just whatever works in every area? No, I, I, I think that, you know, local rights and the RSN business model are really on different trajectories, right? The RSN business model is in this state of transition. Um, and not particularly working well for the RSNs, um, the distributors, or for the fans. Um, but there still remains enormous interest in local rights and various alternatives to the current model. So I don't know that there's one particular model that makes sense for everybody. I think that it depends on the market that you're in. Um, and in some markets, it might be this combination of over-the-air um, tied with streaming. In some cases, it might be only streaming. In some cases, it might be o only over the air. Or in some cases, it, there might 
still makes sense for there to be content through the RSNs and, and some other alternatives. So the short answer is I don't think there's a one size fits all model. Um, you know, I do think streaming services uh, have very much expressed interest in um, that local model if they can get scale. So I do think that streamers see this opportunity to drive local fans into new subscribers, but they don't want to go market by market. Um, and so if they can find a way to do it at scale, that could be an interesting uh, way to do that locally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hopping topics again, uh, we regularly see star players, it feels like a few every year, they exert influence even when they're under contract with one team. They sort of say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this team. You, you, they'll probably still suit up in most cases. Uh, but they say, I, I want to trade and here are the one or two or three teams I want to go to. Does the league have any issue with players under contract doing things like that? Look, this is a uh, you can go back as far as the league has existed. And these issues have always um, these issues have always existed. And uh, players have the rights that do that they do under the contract that they sign. Um, and teams have the rights that they do under the contracts that are signed. And we expect both sides to honor those contracts and those agreements. Um, obviously, there's going to be disagreements amongst teams and players from time to time. We prefer that those disagreements get handled privately as opposed to publicly. Um, and so sometimes I think with the nature of social media and the nature of media, sometimes these things do spill out into the public. Uh, but at the end of the day, again, players, we expect players, we expect teams to honor their contracts. Um, and, and our preference would be that those things get handled behind closed doors. Yeah, got it. Both LeBron and Shaq have now said they want to bring a team to Las Vegas. Um, is the NBA going to expand somewhere, say, this decade? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I can't answer on the time frame. I, all I would say is right now, it's not a priority for us. We, um, we got the CBA deal done, which is something that was uh, high on our priority list before thinking about expansion. And then the next big thing that we need to get done before we think about whether or not expansion makes sense is our media agreements. And so um, that's our focus now. Uh, once the media agreements are done, uh, that at that point, I think it would be appropriate to think about whether or not it makes sense to expand. You know, the commissioner has said that um, expansion is sort of the manifest destiny of organizations. As you get bigger, as you get more global, as there's more talent, um, you know, it, 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 it's a natural thing to do, but there's no plans right now um, in the immediate future to look to expand to any new markets. And just to follow up on that, how would you think about thinking about expansion? Like what, what are sort of the global factors you're looking at? Yeah, I think what you have to look at is the, um, in, the facilities, right? First and foremost, is there a suitable world-class facility that can host NBA games, practice facilities, the fan base, the corporate base, um, you know, the, the size of the media market, uh, things that will help expand the pie and grow the overall uh, business and interest in the league. And so uh, those are the sorts of considerations that we will evaluate in making that kind of a decision. Gotcha. Last question before I let you go. Will we ever see the Elam ending in an NBA game? <laughs> well, again, you, obviously we've used the target score, uh, target scoring in the All Star game. Um, again, I, I I would never say never, but you know, right now I think the way that our 
uh, game is being played. Games have been more competitive than they ever have been. Uh, we had the most competitive season uh, in in maybe history in the last last season where we had 26 teams with two weeks ago still in the playoff hunt. Uh, I think the play-in tournament has really helped that. And, uh, and, and, and so I'm, I'm really excited about this season and, uh, and looking forward to what this season has in store. All right. I'll be the however manyth person to put that one in the suggestion box too. Mark Tatum, thanks so much. Really appreciate you having you on the show. Thank you, Owen. Good talking to you. That is it for today. Go Dubs. And even though I know nothing good will come of this, go Knicks. Subscribe and be sure to tune in tomorrow. I'll be breaking down an exclusive story involving the NBA that I think could be the start of something big. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.